Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Please welcome Kathy Spaulding. Um, so, my name is Kathy Spaulding. I'm part of the teaching team. And today, we, I'm continuing the series that we started a couple weeks ago called Healthy Relationships. So we're taking this whole month to talk about relationships. Pastor Cameron, uh, oh gosh, I, he talked to you guys about communication, right? I hope. And then he talked about, uh, well, I'm trying to remember since we're rotating. I can't remember what you guys have heard and what we've heard. Anyway, so I'm going to be talking about work. And so I was, a couple weeks ago, I went to Florida to visit my aunt. And while I was in the airport, of course, craziness, I, my flight got delayed and then postponed. And so I'm there the next day. And I'm sitting next to this girl while we're waiting, you know, for the plane. And she's about 24-ish. And I overhear her talking to some other people about the economy and work and all of this kind of thing. And she says something I thought was rather interesting. She said, I don't understand why nobody in my generation wants to work. I was like, well, okay. And I, I, I just thought that was interesting, and it made me start to ponder, where did I learn my work ethic? Now, we're talking about relationships, and I'll get there, so hold on, okay? I think we have to talk about work first, and then we can talk about relationships. So I was thinking about my work ethic and I remember being a a small being young and my dad for those of you don't know my dad is deaf and back in the day I'm not gonna tell you how long ago but back in the day people with disabilities it was very difficult to get a job it still is but not to the degree I mean we're we're much more uh, open to hiring people with disabilities and maneuvering that but somebody who's deaf they can't communicate with you easily you know there's just some restrictions and stuff so anyway my dad worked he actually went to western michigan university he's like super smart really really smart math was his thing but because at that time a deaf person the college wasn't really in his track and he's amazing woodworker amazing like engineer i think he could have done amazing things if he hadn't been deaf but he worked in a factory which there's nothing wrong with that, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But he got taken advantage of over and over again at work. And because the time was what it was, we didn't always have a lot of money. And I remember watching him work a lot, I mean, work hard. And one day I came into his office, he had a desk, and and he was like hands, or head in his hands, just shaking his head. And I was like, what's wrong? And he said, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. And I remember that thinking, you need to work so you can pay your bills. And, and although that's a good thing to work so you can provide for your life, God says he designed it for us to work. And so if you're a Christian, you know that in the beginning, God says, oh, I have slides, sorry. I forgot about them, get all caught up. Um, In the beginning, he says, the Lord God took man, this is after he created everything, he put him in the garden to work it and keep it. 
And as Israel is reading the psalm, he says, you know, we're meant to work. It not only gives us purpose, but it's what we were designed to do. Now, we can go to the extreme and think we do it all on our own and forget about God. How many of you, I was thinking about this as, as Israel was reading, how many of you have ever seen, you know, we've seen lots of movies, people who inherited wealth and they're lazy and they don't do anything and they don't have any purpose, right? That's not a good thing. You know, I, I think God knows that and says you need to work so you can see the fruit of your hands and, and feel productive. And um, And he models it. We should work for six days and then rest. And for us in in our society, working five days and then doing your housework on one day and then having a day of rest, same thing. If you're a homemaker, you have a a super important job of keeping a home, which is very important and it's a lot of work, you know. And um, so there's 350 verses about work. That's a lot. Like... (laughs) God talks a lot about work, so it's not something we should take lightly. But we also have a commission from the Lord in in Acts 1. Jesus, before he leaves, he says to the disciples, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the ends of the earth... I was reading this author, um, Bill Peel. He talks about those four areas. Jesus was very specific. The reason he listed four was because Jerusalem was their culturally and geographically close people. People who are the same culture as you and are close to you. So in this Cass County, people who are like you, those are your Jerusalem. Your Judea is people who are similar to you but are geographically far from you. So somebody on the other side of the state. People in Samaria are those who are culturally different from you, but geographically within reach. So people in Cass County who don't share your culture, your commission to reach them. And then to the ends of the earth would be your mission trips or your missionary work, okay? And in the, um, the author, Bill Peel, talks about The ones that we're supposed to reach that are in our Jerusalem would be your family, friends, and your work associates. So not only are you supposed to work, but you're also supposed to witness to those you work with. And so to start with how you would do that, how would you witness to those at work? How do you, how do you, well, I think first you have to do your work unto the Lord. And, um, so he creates, so God, in the beginning, God creates work. He creates it for us to do, but we also have to be a good steward. In Colossians 3, it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Um, so we're supposed to work as if God is watching, and he is. Whether you're a Christian or not, God sees what you do. Does everybody know that, right? Like God says, okay, but it's real easy to forget that when you're at work. And so some do's and don'ts. I mean, this seems silly, but if you're working unto the Lord, you should show up on time. 
You should stay for your whole shift. You should not make copies for your personal life at your work computer unless you've been given permission. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but how many of you guys know or work with people who don't do that? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. <clears throat> and, and sometimes, you know, the, the thing is, you need to follow the rules when nobody's watching, right? Because you're working unto the Lord. Be willing to go the extra mile and serve your coworkers. I'm going to be real honest. That's hard. Sometimes it's hard not to slip into the culture, especially if you're the only Christian where you work. If you're the only one there and everybody's doing it, everybody's leaving early on Friday, and you're like, boy, I would like to take off early. It's it's easy to do. However, our work ethic matters. What other because how other people see you is how they see Christians, who is how you you reflect in God, right? Proverbs sixteen three says, "Commit your work to the Lord, whether you are working at home or working at a workplace. You need to be committing it to the Lord." David Guzik is a commentator, and he commented on this Colossians 3. And he says, this passage there, work willingly at whatever you do, has no guarantee, does not give you a guarantee that your workplace is going to be fair. Amen? Bad workers might get rewarded, and good workers might get fired. And it doesn't seem fair. But Paul assures us that there will be a final reward that is fair according to God's standard. So if you know that you're doing the right thing and you're unjustly, you know, treated, God remembers. God will reward you and it will be a fair reward. One of the things that I think is super important and I struggle with this, is to not complain about work. Anybody ever complain about work? I've had a tough year. The pandemic has not been fun at my workplace. I work in a school and teaching online and teaching in person and hybrid and this, I mean, and the things that we're supposed to do and we can't do and, and I, my, my, just part of me that thinks things should be the certain way are like being all thrown off because we're making anyway. So um, it's real easy to start complaining. Now God says, and in the Bible you see people complain, but who should you be complaining to? Complain to God, not to your coworkers. See that your attitude is your perfume. And everybody around you can smell it. So if you're complaining, you know, this isn't right. This isn't. Now, I'm not saying there aren't things that you need to, you know, hold a line about. But you know what I'm talking about. You're t- I'm talking about grumbling. I'm talking about, you know, just the whining. Just, no, I can't say that. You need to just 
do your job, right? Do your job. So while you're doing your job and while you're being faithful and while you're working into the Lord, you need to be building relationships. So how do we, we need to build these relationships. We need to reach our Jerusalem, right? In Philippians 2, it says, then make me truly happy. This is Paul. He says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Do not be selfish. Do not try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, you would say, Kathy, Paul is talking to the church. I know he is. But that attitude about how we would work with one another, we need to take that into our workplace. Now, that doesn't mean we join hands with our non-believing workmates and do the things that are wrong, okay? But we do need to think of others better than ourselves. What's, what does Jesus say the greatest commandment is? To love the Lord your God and to love others. He doesn't say love others at church or love others that are believers. He says to love others. That's all of them. That's everybody. What does that look like? It doesn't look the same how I, but my attitude towards others matters. You know, Jesus humbled himself to us in obedience to Christ. He humbled himself and took on a, took, humbled himself and took on a criminal's death. I don't think any one of us has been asked to humble ourselves that much. But do we need to serve one another at work? Do we need to serve others at work to show Christ's love? You may have to. You should. So what does that look like? Well, I already talked about how being a good steward is the first step. But you also need to interact with your coworkers. You can't just go to work, do your job, and leave. You're not reaching your Jerusalem. You can't build relationships with other people if you isolate yourself at work. A couple of years ago, we had Curtis Hines. Did you guys have Curtis Hines here? He's an evangelist from um, the Toronto area. And I remember having a conversation with him, and I was like, ugh, I can't stand going into the lunchroom at work because they just gossip all the time. They gossip about each other. Who knows what they say about me when I get done? And he looked at me, and he said, why do you expect a heathen to behave any way except like a heathen? I was like, oh. I had been in my (laughs) judgmental self expecting unbelievers to behave like they were working for Christ. Why Why would I think that? Why would they do that? The culture, the world that we live in is very different than what God has designed for us. Anybody notice that anywhere? (laughs) Notice it on social media much? You know, like, come on. Um, And so we need to build relationships with them. So when we're in that room and they're gossiping, we don't join the gossip. We might might say something like, 
oh, I'm really not comfortable talking about that person when they're not here. Could we change the topic? That's scary. That's scary. I, it, all right, it's just me. But to me, that's like, oh my gosh, could I really do that? That brings up fear of man. Fear of man is a real thing. And I've lost a page of my notes. Um, fear of man in First Samuel. I'm just going to tell you a little story because I don't have it right here in front of me. But in First Samuel uh, 9 and 10, this is the situation. Saul is king. Okay, he's the king. He goes to, into battle and instead of killing everything, which is what God told him to do, all the sheep and everything, he brings back the best of the sheep and he brings it back the king of that p- people that he conquered. Saul shows up, who, I mean, Samuel shows up, who's the prophet, and says, what is the deal? I hear bleeding of sheep. <laughs> what did you do? And Samuel or Saul replies, I wish they had a different name. I'm sorry. Saul replies, I was afraid. My, my men wanted to take them and I was afraid of them. You're the king. You're, you know, and, and, and Samuel replies, do you think so little of yourself? You're the king. And when I read that, I thought, to say to all of you and to myself, do you think so little of yourself? You're a Christian. You are a follower of Christ. You should absolutely be obedient to God. And, and this is, and, and then Saul replies, I'm so sorry. I repent. You're right. I, I shouldn't have done that. But could you go back with me? So that my elders are see you're, you're still on my side. What are you kidding me? He's, I repent and does the same thing. He's afraid of his elders. The next chapter begins with Samuel saying, I'm never going to see you again. And he goes and he mourns for Saul. And he's before the Lord and the Lord says, all right, done. We're done with Saul. I want you to anoint the next king. And Samuel's like, wait a second. You want me to anoint a king while the king, the king's not going to be too happy with me. He's got some fear. I would say justified fear. Like the king might take you out, right? And, and God says, this is what I want you to do. And what does Samuel do? He's obedient to God. He doesn't let fear of man stop you, stop him. And we shouldn't either. We need to resolve conflicts. I brought up a situation that could result in a conflict. We need to resolve conflicts at our workplace and do it in a biblical way. We need to go to the person and talk to them. I remember this one a couple of years ago I was working and this one coworker of mine. So I work in a school, but uh, I'm a sign language interpreter. And so there's a group of us interpreters. And we technically don't work for the school that we work in. We work for the ISD, which is a little confusing. So <clears throat> anyway, so this one, one coworker of mine, making me crazy. And I, I just, I didn't even know what to do. So I went to my boss, who doesn't, isn't in that building. I went to my boss and I said, okay, this is the, this is the deal. So I started telling her all this stuff. And do you know what she said? She said, well, what are you going to do about it? 
I'm doing it. I'm talking to you. And she's like, well, what are you going to say to her? How are you going to handle this? How are you going to fix this? And I thought, oh, I have to go to her. And I did. Good for me. I should have just done that to begin with. And and we worked it out. There's a miscommunication. She's not my best friend. You know, we didn't work it out where everything's sunshine and roses, but we finished, I dealt with the conflict and we moved on. I remember one time I was working at another building and a friend of mine who is a Christian, we're both Christians, she was telling me something about something that was going on in her life. And we were just chatting and she was kind of struggling. And and so later, um, one of our coworkers asked what was wrong and I told her. I said, because I figured, well, you know, that way maybe she would be, okay. So my friend says to me, hey, Kathy, can I talk to you tomorrow morning? I, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Anybody love those words? I hate those words. And if you're going to need to talk to me, you do it right now. Not next week. If you want to need to talk to me next week, you tell me next week. Don't tell me now. Because in the time that it comes between that, I will have dreamed up all kinds of stuff. Not slept for days is not a good thing, okay? So if you need to talk to me after this, you just need to talk to me or find me later and then tell me you need to talk. Don't do that. So fortunately, this was only 24 hours. So I only had 24 hours to dream up something. And she said, hey, you, you said, you know, I told you this. And it wasn't a big thing. But I'm not justifying. I'm just saying it wasn't a big thing. And she said, it wasn't your business to tell. It was mine. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you are so right. I am so wrong. How we handle conflict, how we handle conflict resolution says a lot. I tell you, I didn't, I don't talk about people much anymore. Except I'm talking to you, but I'm not telling you anybody's names. So in Romans 12, 18, it says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. With everyone. Not with everyone in the church, with everyone in your house, everyone. Now I have um, some of the some of the things for building relationships. I want to tell you a couple of really good stories because I've already told you some bad stories, and I wish I could say that I have lots of them because I've worked for a long time. I'm not going to tell you how long because I would tell you I started when I was 15, and I don't want you to know how old I am. But um, I have a few. And it's not to say, oh, look at me. It's just to show you how the Holy Spirit can use you. So the first thing, Pastor Cameron talked to you guys about communication and how important communication is. And what's the number one key to communication? Listening. Listening is the number one key to communication. And so when you're listening to your coworkers, I would I would ask you to listen to their heart, not their words. And then ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that they're saying? I've had a couple of situations where I've heard a teacher going, ah, you know, talking about this and this and this. And, and, and then I would just say, you know, I, I've been in your classroom and I've seen 
what a great job you do reaching these kids. Really? <laughs> you know, it's like they don't, they don't hear that. They don't get to hear that they're doing a good job. And that's important. And it doesn't have to be everything. I mean, you don't have to say, you are amazing at everything you do, you know. You can pick out a few things. And that's, that reaches them. You're building a relationship with them. You're not judging them. I had a, I had a situation just come up recently. And, um, it was interesting. My, yeah, I feel like I really need to share this. So I, uh, when I was first started working, I was not a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until well into my work life. But I also uh, had a baby outside of wedlock um, because her dad did not did not believe in marriage, and I was young, and I didn't believe in marriage either. It's, you know, whatever. And <clears throat> having someone who's a Christian say to you, you're doing it all wrong, made it be, well, I guess I don't want to talk to them. Now, many years later, I had a situation where someone said, oh, my daughter is, is going to have a baby. I'm going to be a grandma. Isn't that exciting? And the daughter still is at home with the boyfriend. They're not married. They don't have jobs. What do you say? You know what you say? You say, I'm happy that you're happy. That is exciting news for you. I rejoice that that baby is amazing. Because that's a hard thing. It's very easy to start judging and start saying the things that are wrong. But I will tell you that the person well-meaning told me what I should be doing kept me from the church for a long time. And we don't want to do that. Now, I'm not saying... There isn't right and wrong. I'm saying we need to listen to their heart. We need to share with them that they are loved by Jesus. And we need to let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. Because when it comes from us, it sounds like condemnation. Sorry. Um, and I'm saying that to myself because I everything in me wanted to say, Huh? <laughs> And, and I couldn't do that because I treasure this relationship. I treasure that relationship. And so when I can, I, I do pray for people. I was walking through the office one day and, um, I saw the secretary was visibly upset and I was like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, I, you know, this situation and I have to fly and I'm so afraid of flying. And I'm like, can I pray for you? And she goes, yeah, yeah. I said, no, can I pray for you right now? Okay. Like, can I hold your hands? Okay. And I closed my eyes and I prayed a two-minute prayer. And when I got done, she's just weeping. Thank you so much that you take the time to do that. Public school, not private. Okay. Share your devotionals. You know, I, I had this coworker. We, we'd sit next to each other. We had our planning time together. And not every day, not every week, but every so often, 
oh, I was reading this thing in the Bible, and it was so amazing, and it applied to our work situation. Five years, five years worked with her. And one day she came up and she said, Kathy, I have a situation and I need you to pray for me. She's not a Christian. Five years. Paid off. Prayed for her. I was able to help her in her situation. I had another, another, um, when we talk about fear of man, I was talking to you about a minute ago. I had a situation in, um, I was in this classroom, and again, a teacher visibly just shaking, probably should have gone home because she was just teary-eyed, was starting to weep all the time, and I just said, hey, um, you know, what's going on? She goes, oh, nothing, it's just, you know, stuff at home, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, okay. And I hung around, after, and so I went up to her and I said, um, I think it was after, after class, I said, you know, it's really tough when you have stuff going on at home, and, and I... Holy Spirit prompted me to tell her about my situation with um, my first husband who was an addict. And I just started sharing with her how devastating that was. And she starts weeping and says, my son is addicted to heroin. And I don't want anybody to know. I work in the school. And, you know, everybody will look at me and whatever. And so I prayed for her. And then she said, would you come to my house and pray for him? I was like, sure. So I got a couple of people to come with me. We went over to her house. We prayed for her son. Her husband was there. And um, this, was, this was probably 15 years ago. Do you know that, that that young man is not addicted to any drugs anymore? Now, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I was a part of that. I was faithful. And I'm honored that I could do that, that I could go to work, do my work unto the Lord, and God will give me an opportunity to build a relationship to see a life changed. Isn't that what Jesus did? Saw lives changed. And we want to be like Jesus. And in that, we should also be, and and I, I want you to think for a minute, how many of you could right now in Less than five minutes, share your testimony with a non-believer at your work. If you can't, you need to figure out how to. Because God might call you to do that. And there is nothing better than your testimony to share with an unbeliever. You know, you can say all the things that God says are wrong and why they're wrong... People don't care until they hear how it affects you. How did it change your life? What did God do for you? Why do we have rules? Why does God want a two-parent home? Why is that important? You share your testimony. That will have an effect. And that's how you reach your Jerusalem. You know, it, it's real easy to think, well, I'm a Christian and I can just repent. I know nobody in this room would ever do that. <laughs> but I have, I've been in that situation when I was a young believer. You know, it's not, the point isn't how much can we get away with as a Christian, but how much glory we can give to God as a Christian. 
How much glory to God are you giving by your life and your service to your work and your work friends? I love this quote. Oh, I have no idea where I'm at in my slides. Um, your life may be the only Bible that people read. Who do you know that's never read their Bible or has a very misconstrued idea of what a Christian is? You may be the only Bible they ever read. What you do matters. And I want to see you reach your Jerusalem. Right? And we want to give God the glory while we're doing it. So would you guys, I'm, I'm going to close. So would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. So, Father, I just thank you for your design. Not only did you make the whole earth and everything in it, but you put us here and you gave us purpose. You gave us purpose in our work, and you gave us purpose in our ministry to one another. Whether we're working wherever we're working, whether it's our best job or our worst job, that we can give you glory through our work. More than that, Father, I just ask that you help each of us to see our mission field, to see our Jerusalem at work. We can be ministers of your word and witnesses to the great things you've done for us so that we can invite more people into the family. I just saw a picture this morning, and I shared it with Israel, that this community, this Cass County, and um, in your, your neighborhood, that New Day Vandalia is a family. And there's lots of people in this county that don't have family or don't know what family looks like. You can demonstrate what family is. You can show them what it's like to be part of a family. Because one day, we'll all be united together if we're believers as a family with God as our dad. I ask that he gives you vision to see your family in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So... We're going to wrap up the service with um, uh, prayer, and uh, and if you need a if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for boldness, if you need prayer for you need to repent of judging others, whatever it is, or um, if you need a word from the Lord, just an inspiration. Uh, we have a team that will be up here to pray for you. Oh, over here. Sorry, he said left. I left. I was other left. Yeah, over there. I'm sorry. Okay. So, and um, and next week you will have Peter Webb kicking off our series on freedom. So thank you guys very much, and you have a great day. I'm sure there's donuts out there. Uh, There's donuts. There. Enough said. Right. Have a great day.